0: A hero is integrity, humanity, and compassion in action. The hero frequency is a thread of those qualities binding us all. I'm Yasmin Joy, an empathic survivor of loss, grief, and more. And every week, I'll be sharing tips and tales that brought me to my mission of identifying and amplifying the hero frequency. Let's tune in and turn it up. Welcome back. I just came in uh, a few days ago from a retreat for my birthday, and there were so many amazing things that happened on that trip, but the recent current events are pulling me in a different direction. At the time of this recording, it's been a little over a week since the Robb Elementary School shooting, and since then, there have been at least 18 other mass shootings in our nation. This episode is not specifically about shootings, but it is about the generational trauma that can feed into the mindset of people who harm and people who are numbed out or otherwise disconnected from the effects of people who harm. I'm going to switch gears right now from our national landscape and get a little more personal. In my previous episodes, I've introduced the topic of toxic in-laws. I want to forward that not all my in-laws are toxic, absolutely not, but there is a segment that I refer elsewhere to as the narc family because the leaders in that family fit the profile of narcissists and the rest of the members reflect the results of that leadership. So I'm going to do a walkthrough with you on my journey with this family and the incredible insights that shifted and shaped my beliefs on relationships, power dynamics, And the harmful fallibility of social proof, which fuels success in modern society for pretty much everything from personal to professional to political arenas. And incidentally, it's also the number one currency of narcissists. So the story begins with me having just left my abusive relationship after I think maybe a year and a half or two. And I meet my now husband and find out that he has this big family that is really close knit. And so I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old that didn't really have a normal, safe, and secure um, childhood with extended family around because I was pretty much the only family member that loved and uh, took care of them. So I thought this family was going to embrace my kids the way that I would embrace any child that came into my orbit because isn't that normal? But I would find out pretty early on that this was a club of exclusivity and that tone was set by the High Pumba matriarch. Now that may sound a bit harsh or rude, But I promise you, if you know me in real life, assuming you don't have a ride-or-die loyalty to someone I'm speaking up about, you know that I try to describe people and situations as accurately as possible. I actually even water down the gore if there is any. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background on the family history so there's context to the nature versus nurture components that contribute to the generational trauma that persists to this day. So there I was a young single parent who had just survived a decade of dealing with grief and getting out of an abusive relationship, and I was still dealing with my ex in the court system, which anybody who has had to deal with an abusive um, ex in this manner knows that the court system is really ill-equipped to handling uh, such cases and individuals because abusers tend to leverage their children in the court system to harm their exes in that way. But at least, or so I thought, um, my kids were going to be surrounded by aunts, uncles, and cousins that are going to look out for them and love them and protect them. I felt comfortable making this assumption uh, with this family specifically because. They were all about celebrating, getting together, having fun, praising each other. There was a lot of family pride. That was my first clue, but one that was easily brushed off because it's pretty normal to be proud of your family. So I didn't think anything of it, even though there was a little bit of a yellow light. Now that yellow light was actually quite generous because I was very optimistic and very sympathetic. The truth was, right from the get-go, I could feel a heaviness whenever I walked into any of their houses. It was like a really dense, dark, heavy feeling. It was pretty depressing, but being the empath that I was, despite the things I'd gone through, um, and also being the optimist that I was, I believed that if I showed them the kind of love that I grew up with, They would be inspired and healed and happy and whole. Now, if you've been following along with all of my episodes from the beginning, you may notice a pattern. I was essentially trying to love this family to life the same way I did with the hurt people who hurt people before this family came into the picture, which is also the same way that I approached my abusive ex Now, I'm not going to blame myself for repeating uh, patterns because I believe I did the right thing. It was just for the wrong people, but I had no way of knowing that at that time because each chapter had very different characters, and I was very mindful to be sure not to make anybody pay for something that previous people had done. So I'm going to assign some made-up names so that uh, we can keep track of who's who. So I will refer to the Nark family as the Zire family, and I will refer to the Grand Pumba Grandma as Grandma Ka-ching. Now, the Zire family name is a really important part of this story, and it's pretty interesting because it ties into some of the culture's beliefs as well as the history. So the Zaire family name was not native to the culture or country from where the Narc family came. Uh, It actually came from a highly educated Westerner who was really obsessed in his field of study. And so hit the jackpot when he found an indigenous tribe and then married the princess of that tribe, which was about 14 or 15 at that time. So he had full access for his studies and his obsession, and he was pretty prolific in making sure that he got every artifact from that tribe in the books. Now, I want to interject to give you a perspective on the views back then, particularly in uh, Asian countries, not just this one, but my own as well. From what I learned, Um, the view of Westerners was very high back in the day. And it was almost like, not quite godlike, but if you were a Westerner, people thought of you as being someone who was just really special and you always got special treatment. You were automatically thought as being brilliant, Thai class, and essentially treated as if you were a king. This is something that my mother shared with me as an adult when I was trying to learn a little bit more about the history of Vietnam. But this is also something that a good friend of mine from that country verified to be true for them as well. Another thing that our cultures shared was the desirability of westernized features and really fair skin. One more aside that may give you insight, because we don't really experience this in America, but in cultures where there's a lot of poverty, and particularly if there's very little middle class, having something extra goes a long way in social standing. I know that's a lot of background information, but I think that in order for us to really be objective about difficult people and situations, we need to have some understanding of the nature versus nurture influences, not only to help us understand values, characteristics, and triggers, but in that understanding better gauge the blood, sweat, tears, equity that seem likely to come with the package With all this in mind, let's apply it to the Zaire family. So, one, they have someone in their background that is a Westerner, two, who is educated, and three, who put them on the map. That's a lot of something extras for one family. Now, the foreign scholar with the Western Ivy League education was a researcher of Indigenous people and a professor and well-traveled. And he basically started the Zaire lineage in this country by taking an indigenous tribal teenager as his wife. Can we just pause for a second and talk about this? Because instinctively, this doesn't add up to a healthy match, and history would concur. The power dynamics was extraordinarily unequal. Granted, it was acceptable for full-grown men to marry teenage girls. But on top of that, there's a huge gap between the culture of a full-grown, highly educated, well-traveled Western scholar and an Asian-Indigenous people that he wants to study. But let's just say that his intentions were pure for this union and that he did want a legitimate, loving relationship. So now we can look at how he was as a husband and as a father. So how was Grandpa Godley, not his real name, as a family man? I am so glad you asked. I myself was so curious after hearing all these glorious stories, but seeing and experiencing completely different representations through his descendants. I posed that very question in a Facebook group that was dedicated to Grandpa Godley and his indigenous family. Facebook group was basically a place where all the descendants could get together and share and learn more about the legacy of the Zyre bloodline. Now, by that point, I had been with the family for over a decade. So even in the small cluster of the family that I was surrounded with, talk of Grandpa Godley's accomplishments were a staple feature of every family gathering but there was never any mention of him as a human being. So when I was finally invited into the group by one of the few family members that treated me like family, I had to ask. The space was very busy with family members from around the world, always excited to comment and share pictures and stories about the family history. So I figured in this larger pool of Zaire family members, Someone had to know and someone may tell me. Well, either somebody wasn't invited to the party, which is highly unlikely because even I was invited to the party, or this is a topic that nobody wanted to speak about. It was crickets. My post was the only post that got no responses. After I realized that there was going to be no deep truthing in that space either, I ended up just leaving the group. But that experience gave me insight on the Zire family as a whole. It let me see that some of the issues I observed with the local Zyres were likely a family characteristic or shared learned traits from nurture. Speaking of nurture, and going back to answer the question, what kind of a husband or father was Grandpa Godly? Since nobody was as enthusiastic to talk about this facet of his life and personality, I figured we could get clues from the fruit of his loins, especially since the Zeyer family was huge on associating their self-worth with their family connections and the accomplishments of people that went before them. This is where things start to make sense. You know that meme that reads, you had one job? Well, Grandpa Godly had one child, whom I mentioned earlier, Godly Jr. You may have guessed it with the meme reference. Godly Jr. was testament to the colossal failure of Godly Sr. as a parent, as his great accomplishments were testament to his success in his career. But Yasmin, you ask, isn't it normal to accentuate the positive and not put any focus on the negative? fair question, and the answer is yes, but I want you to ask a better question. Let's continue with the story and we'll get back to it. Now, here's where things get interesting because we get to introduce a character that is pivotal in inspiring and nurturing what would become the trademark mindset of Grandpa Godley's Descendants. Those characteristics are extreme pride and extreme loyalty. If you pan out real quick and look at history, those two combined characteristics in any group are rarely, if ever, a good thing. This powerful character in this story is Grandma ka I'm going to stop here for now because the topic of generational trauma is so big And the potential influences of each generation is so important that I want to continue on the story of this family to understand not only how the family got to where they are today, but to give us an illustrated perspective of how hurt people who hurt people come to be. This stuff is deep because that's how roots run. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Every day is an opportunity to exercise your integrity, humanity, and compassion, including for yourself. May you go with the company of good, the endurance of love, the beauty of wonder, and the dignity of kindness. Thanks for tuning into the Hero Frequency.